Hello. Thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance His kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. So, super excited about what the Lord is doing in the church, uh, in our lives, in, in our community. Um, just like Becky said, we are going to continue to move forward as a church, okay? We're going to continue to to try to uh, accommodate as many of you as possible. I thank you that you guys are sitting in, in these seats, because if we weren't, we feel like, what are we accommodating, right? You know, so I do see people in every section, which for us, that's what we want. We don't want you feeling like you have to sit over here if you want to sit over here. So we're going to keep working through that, you know, as the Lord leads us. And uh, we, there is additional guidance for how the nursery and the children's classes, the, mo- the temporary modifications of how that's going to look. So if you are a parent, make sure you got one of those sheets, okay? If you have any suggestions, let us know. We'll always listen. That doesn't mean that we'll do everything, because if we took everybody's opinion, we would always be changing and cultivating. So we've been talking about community. We started a series last week about community, and today we're going to look at the topic of, is the church optional? Now, you know, I think as, as a person that, w- that has been raised in the church, you know, I have a little bit perspective than maybe the world's perspective. But I think that question, it's a relevant question because some people say, well, I can, I can have a relationship with God and I can stay home and I can read my Bible and I can play the best worship songs. And I mean, sometimes you can even argue, well, they even sound better than the worship team, which studio recording. If we went to the studio and we paid thousands and thousands of dollars, we could sound that good also. Right. You know, whatever argument you have, people have them. Right. They say, well, you know, we're, we're listening to this person and I go to church every Sunday, but I'm in my living room. So is the church optional? So I think we have believers that believe they can be an isolated Christian and stay at home and that the church is optional. So my goal today is to really communicate about what God's thought process is on that, what the Bible says about that, and what I believe is best for a healthy Christian life, what, what a healthy Christian community should look like. You know, so could we talk about community if we were all convinced that staying home by ourselves, away from everyone is the best idea? That's kind of anti-community, right? I am not anti-community. I'm all for community. So we have to understand, guys, that today culture is continually fighting against the Bible to dismantle the standards that it represents and supports and is replacing personal opinion or feelings over God's expectations. Like, man, you started with something really deep and really hard. Let me say that one more time. Today's culture is continually fighting against the Bible to dismantle the standards that it represents and supports and is replacing personal opinion and feelings over God's expectation. Okay, so we have, to, we have to figure out what in the world does God, what, is, what does God say in his Bible? What is, what is the standard? What does God expect? Because if it's all based on what I feel, I may know if we base things on feelings, there's good days and there's bad days. There's days I feel like it, there's days I don't, right? So feelings, we have to take feelings out of it and we have to really uphold it to the standard of what God says. So when we ask the question, is the church optional? We must first ask ourselves the question, whose plan was the church? And who is the church? Okay? So first and foremost, we, we have to understand that, you know, Jesus, this is what Jesus said about the church in Matthew 16, 18 through 19. 
He was talking to one of his disciples. He says, and I tell you, Peter, he says, on this rock, he was referring to himself as Jesus, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Verse 19, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So the church by God's design was to be powerful and strong. It wasn't to be weak. It wasn't to be passive. It, you know, it should, it should be active. It should be at the forefront of culture. You know I, know, I know a lot of times there's so many other things establishing the culture of our community. But if there is enough church influence within our community, the church begins to reset the standard of culture. You understand that we have, you know, if you think about it, where you work, where you're at, the people that you know, the areas of influence that you have. Are we actively affecting culture? Are we compromising our standards in lieu of culture? I think some of you say, well, I tried to, but Pastor Noe, that's a hard thing to do. You know, like, you know, but, but I think when we look at this passage, you know, it, it says, you know, the gates of hell will not overtake it, will not overcome it. It's talking about the church. So if I have to shake you and encourage you this morning to go out and be all that God has called us to be, I believe that the Word of God calls us to be people of action, not people who are passive. We've gotten to the place in culture because of our passivity. You guys realize that? The church for a long time thought it was better to not say anything because we were so concerned about offending people, and look where that's got us as a culture. It's not good. Well, now we're like, well, wait, wait a minute. Well, you didn't want to say anything then. You didn't want to hurt anybody's feelings then. And now we're right at that, that, that fringe point of where we are almost losing the battle of that culturally, right? But God, okay? I want us to understand that God variable, that when it says that he gives us the authority to bind on earth, he gives us the ability to loose on earth just like it is in heaven, we can be bound by something we've established previously, but we can loose that in Jesus' name and change the future. You have to understand that. Like, just because it wasn't done right in the past doesn't mean we don't have the authority and the power to say it. From this moment forward, I'm not taking that anymore. I'm changing the atmosphere. I'm changing the culture. And, you know, I think as far-reaching as we can because, you know, I, have, I feel like I have influence potential in Bay City. I sure don't in Houston. I go, I'm go in there and say, we'll go into Houston, see them say, I'm no econo. Pastor Harvest Time Church, they're going to be like, who are you? No significance there, right? But I feel, I'm seeing, I'm seeing God strategically place me in places in Bay City for opportunities for influence. Now, some of those I've had to intentionally walk through and commit to them and be a part of those things and, and make myself available. You know, but if I was just a man of past, he'd say, oh, no, I don't want to lead that. Oh, that's too much responsibility. Oh, that's, that's more stuff on my plate, and I shrink back from that. I would miss the opportunity to be influential in those areas. Right? So I see even in my life, God setting me up for opportunities to be influential, to just share, uh, to, to begin to adjust culture, right, in the areas that, of influence. So the church is to not be shrinking back. It's not to be weak-natured. God has released his authority to the church and enabled the church to prevail until his return. Now, when is he coming back? Does anybody know that? Anybody want to put a date on it? If you do, you'll be wrong just like everybody else. The Bible says that, that that is only determined by God. Even Jesus said, I, you know, that isn't even for me to know. Only the Father knows the time. He has set the date. He has set the time clock for a specific moment in time. 
So what do we do? What if we lived like it was our last? What if we had a week left? What would we do? Some of you are like, well, I wouldn't go to work. You know, like we would do, we said, wouldn't worry about that. I'm going to go do what I want to do, right? You know, but, you know, if we really knew that it was ending. But what if we shifted the way that we lived? What if we adjusted our thought process where instead of being complaining about how bad culture is, that we would begin to change it? That we would quit being frustrated and we start praying about it? But I believe that that power and that authority of binding and loosing and the authority here on earth has been given to the church. And there is power in numbers. There's power in the corporate gathering that you will never get sitting in your house on your couch watching TV. Got to realize that, guys. So I'm going to say this one more time, and I'm going to try not to say it anymore. Our attempt in when we went to the, to the streaming the service, the whole goal in that was never to replace the corporate gathering. It was to facilitate an option to be a part of what we were doing when we, we weren't able to meet physically. Now, if you're home, if you're sick, if you're not doing well, if you're out of the state and you want to you get on Facebook Live and watch it, hey, that's why we're doing it, okay? So we, we got to know that. But it was never, the whole intent was never to replace it. I was talking to somebody, and they said, you know what? We did that for a long time. They lost six families over it because they were watching it at home and not coming to church. So the pastor killed the stream, and he quit doing it, and those six people came back to church. Don't make me do that. Okay? I believe that it is blessing people. I believe that it is a good thing that they were able to get the Word of God out there. But make sure we're not using it in the wrong way. Okay? I'm done on that soapbox. I'm going to move on. You know, so when I was raised in, in the church as a child, you know, church, missing church was not an option. We went every Sunday. I really don't remember missing church. I, I really don't. Like, it wasn't something that's like, ah, we're just going to skip today or we're not going to go to church. That, was, that wasn't anything that I remember that we did. So my parents, they were really instilling in me the pri- priority and the importance of being part of a church. Now, did I know that at the time? You know, my, my kiddos this week, they gave me a hard time. They're like, we got to go back to church. But we had fasting this week. We were here every night. They're like, again, again. You know, and uh, I think we got accounted a privilege when we get to come to the house of the Lord. I remember when I worked shift work and I was missing half the time, not because I wanted to, because I couldn't come. But I was being raised in a, in a way that, that saw the church as important and vital. But then there was a shifting, right, of where I began to realize the criticalness of being plugged into a local church for myself. Not necessarily just because somebody was making me come, right? I'm going to pick on the, the young adults, and the teenagers for a little while, okay? So when Sunday comes around... Do your parents force you to get up, or do you want to come to church? What we got? Everybody's looking at their parents. What should I say? <laughs> but, but looking at your motives, do you, do, you have to, do you feel like you have to come because your parents brought you, or is it something you want to do? Because I believe that if you desire to come into the house of the Lord and you desire to re- receive something from God, even at a young age, God will honor that. And I'll tell you what, if you're mad and you don't want to come to church, you need to change that attitude anyway, because you're still going to come. 
Learned that a long time ago. Get up or this belt's going to help you get up. Pick your option. You're coming to church regardless. So your attitude towards it should probably be, uh, be accommodating to what you're going to have to endure. So, you know, I, but I just, I, I re- began to realize, guys, in my life, the joy and the privilege it was to be a part of a church. So when I, when I asked the question for myself, is church optional? Never. You know, it's something that God by design has, has established. So we're, this morning we're going to look at four reasons why you should consider committing to a local church and see that the church is not optional, but really essential. You know, I think that's the funniest word, like the, the word that everybody's been using, essential, non-essential. What's essential? And, you know, the ones who were essential initially were like, ha I'm essential. And then halfway they're like, man, I'm essential. I wish I wasn't essential. It was kind of like this give and take. You know, and then you see, you see all the memes, you see all the stuff on Facebook. Well, we'll see, we see who really runs the world, the essential people. And, you know, but, you know, it's just one of those essential things. But even in the state of Texas, the church was deemed essential. So I praise God, first off, it's biased, but for living in Texas, because we play by, <laughs> we play by a few different rules, maybe. But also that it shows that the people who are in charge of the state of Texas have a godly influence. Because if they didn't, they wouldn't care about making the church essential. There's my politician preach, preaching for the year. So the first thing we're going to look at is a, is a we're going to look at four. So it's going to look at, we're going to look at a biblical reason, cultural reason, a practical reason, and a personal reason, okay? So first, let's look at the biblical reason of why you should consider committing to a local church and see why the church is not optional, but essential. So Jesus committed to the local church. That's the first statement I'm going to make. Ephesians 5, 25 through 27, this is what he said. He says, Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Verse 26, it says, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. So Christ loved the church. Why would we hate the church? Why would we think the church isn't important if Christ loved the church and gave his life up for the church? So let me clarify the, the other, that one question at the beginning that I asked. We know who the church is, right? It's me, it's you, it's, it's the believers of Christ. It's not necessarily a building, right? It's the people. He loved the people. He didn't look at the building and, you know, before Pastor Jim and Sharon even, you know, cracked the first foundation of this building and said, you know what, this is what I love, I love this building. That was never what it was about. It was about people. The people that would know him. So the church, he loved the church. So Jesus never saw the church as optional, but the church was actually part of his plan here on the earth. So if Jesus didn't see the church as optional, we shouldn't either. Jesus also described the church as the bride of Christ, his beloved. Now, husbands, what happens if somebody picks on your wife? <laughs> Gary, Gary goes, I'm going to get him. Right? You know, and you and you may you may even be a gentleman, but you know you treat my wife wrong. We'll put some godly hands on you, right? You know, you, you know, you just think about that. Like you, I mean, you, you would not you would not be happy with that. You would be frustrated. It would not whoever's doing it would not be in your their best interest. 
right? You know, so we think about that, you know, that, you know, that how we protect and how we love and how we nurture, it's that same exact model that God takes, or Jesus takes it personal with the church. He gave his life up for the church. We are his beloved just as we do our spouses. So he gave himself up for the church. So the biblical reason is Jesus committed to the local church. He loved the church. We should also. So we look at the cultural side, okay? So number two, so the, the church really gives an antidote to the commitment uh, phobia of our society and popular, popular culture. How many of you deep down kind of hate committing to things? You're always wishy-washy. You're like, oh, well, maybe let me check my schedule. But you're saying let me check my schedule because you don't want to do it or you don't want to commit to it. Not because you're really checking your schedule, right? We hate to commit to things, right? You know, so, you know, committing to, to a church is different in, in a sense that it allows you to commit to something of really, of something of, that's really of value, there's things, guys, we shouldn't be committing to. They're a waste of time. They're a waste of resources, and it's just not God's best for us. The church is not one of them, okay? So we have to understand, you know, that uh, God's Word declares and makes it very clear that we as believers are to be set apart. That word means different. We should be coming to church. The heathen, he don't care about church. Don't be like the heathen. You know, not making it a big deal, you know, and... Guys, hear, hear me with grace because I know that uh, summertime is coming and we plan trips and we plan vacation. Man, do those things. Somebody asked me when we, when we went through a new membership class, they said, well, if I, if I, can I go on vacation? And can I, if I'm not here, is that? I was like, if you go on vacation, take me with you. So like, go as often as you can. But when you were here in Bay City, don't just sleep in. Because you, you had too much fun on Saturday and you can't make it to church on Sunday. Wrong priorities, guys, right? We, we got to make, make church a commitment, okay? You know, so hear that balance there, you know. Uh, maybe one of these days I'll just stay home and just sleep. I, I would feel like super guilty and awkward. I mean, I just, I don't know if I, that would just be so, I'm, I would probably go and visit another church just to get a different view. Maybe that's what I would do as a pastor because I was like, man, if I'm sitting home and everybody's at church and I'll be like, it's so awkward. What am I going to do? I guess I'll stay home and watch the stream like everybody else did for a while. I don't know. It'd be so awkward. I mean, to me, I wouldn't know what to do on a Sunday. You know, it's even weird when we go on vacations and we don't go to church on a Sunday. We went on, we went on a vacation and I was telling the, the girls and my mother-in-law wanted to kind of go to a church or stop on the way. And I was looking about where we were driving and we didn't do it. And they're like, well, we didn't know you wanted to do that. And I was like, we always go to church on Sundays. It's just what I've done my whole life. So God's word declares, and it makes it very clear that believers are to be set apart, they're to be different. Deuteronomy 14.2, it says, For you are, you are a people holy to the Lord your God. Out of all the people on the face of the earth, the Lord has chosen you to be his trusted possessions. He selected us to come to the house of the Lord. Okay? We're also called to be in the world, but not of it. John 17, that 15 through 17 so we have to understand, guys, that it is almost an impossible feat without the support and accountability uh, uh, of, the, of the commitment of believers to live this life like God has designed you to. You need help. You need encouragement. You need somebody challenging you. You know, today we live in a society with, where very few people are willing to commit 
to anything, a job, a marriage, you know, even, even our country, you know, something that just, man, I know it's, it's not my problem, right? We have, we have this mentality. So, you know, in this culture, this culture has produced a mindset of church shoppers and hoppers. So if you don't like the music, if you don't like the sermon, if you don't like the way it looks, you're going to go somewhere else. One thing that we are an advocate of is being where God has planted you and placed you. Now, if you live in the Bay City area, surrounding areas, man, I I really don't believe that it's God's best to drive to the other side of Houston on a regular basis to go to church. Now, if that's where he is placing you and planting you, maybe you need to move and find another job. But I don't believe that that is God's best. If he has placed you in this area, in this community, in Matagorda County-ish area, because I know we have people that drive, a little bit further, but I'm, I mean, I feel like that is where God is placing you. He has planted you there, right? So it's, it's not really always about the music, which, man, I love great music. So at this church, we're going to have great music. That's a plus, right? You know, if you don't like the messages, I'm sorry. I'm just preaching the word. Get mad at God. He wrote it. Just sharing it with you, right? You know, if you don't like the way it looks... At least we're trying. We're moving. We're trying to get get it spruced up a little bit. You know, but some some people are so quick to to look for something negative in a church and then move on. But if you're looking for the perfect church, you'll never find it. Especially if you stick around long enough to to really get to know people. Because as long as there's people in the room, there's going to be flaws. I promise. If you don't think that's true, let me talk to you after the service. So we have to understand that uh, church membership and commitment, you know, it goes against the consumer religion of, of trying to, you know, if it's not good enough, if it's, you know, marketing it in a way where we feel like we have to keep you and we're fighting so hard to entertain and all of these things. We feel like that, uh, you know, it goes against those things. That's what the church offers. It offers you a place to connect and to, to, to have a home and to be committed to. So committing to a local church is a unselfish decision, especially when church is a church is, is focused on serving others, which if you've been here long enough, we are a church that serves. That's just what we do. You know, we, we communicate it from the new membership. We, hopefully you see it from the moment you walk in the door that this is a serving church. You know, the DNA of what we are building and what we're striving to be is, is a church that serves each other. Okay. So the, ch- the local church, it breaks that cultural mold of thinking. Okay, so practical. We look at the practical side of why it's important to commit into a local church. Um, so commit, committed membership to, in a church d- defines who we can count on to serve, to give, to contribute, to support, to grow, to love, to forgive, and to celebrate. It lets us know, hey, who's part of the team? Who's with us? Who, who, who's on, who, who do we know that, that's going to be with us, Right? So, so this is a statement. This is from a book. It's called What's Next by Chris Hodges. He says, every functional, healthy organization relies on knowing specifically upon whom it can rely. Every team has a roster. Every school has an enrollment. Every business has a payroll. Every army has an enlistment. Even our country takes a census and requires voter registration. So for us to say, oh, membership's not a big deal. You don't have to be committed to church. Just come and go when you want. I, I, why would that, everything else has expectations requirements. 
At work, you, can, you think you can just show up whenever you want and come in late and say, oh, I'm going to take off the next three weeks just because, and you think you'll keep your job? There, there's, there's rigid rules and restrictions, but I, I feel like the church is pretty free and grace-based, and it's not like, man, it should be a blessing to serve in this place, and it shouldn't, be, it shouldn't feel like work work. never has to me, right? Maybe sometimes when you're really working hard and you've got a project or something going on, but it should be a blessing. It should be a joy because it really satisfies those needs by God's design of what he's put in us. Okay, so membership, it, re- it really identifies our family. It shows us where we belong. It says who belongs to our family. That's one thing we try to do when we go through a new membership class. We say, hey, these are our new members. These are people who have taken the new membership, committing to us. We're committing to them. So you just know, hey, this is us. This is our church. This is our members. Okay, so when we look at what we focus um, so we're gonna we're gonna I'm at the end, at the end of all this we're gonna actually look at our church membership a little bit and show and show a little bit of how we kind of tie this in okay so let's look at that fourth point so the personal reason so the church when functioning correctly cultivates and nurtures you spiritually and I hope you guys feel that I hope you guys sense that that you are spiritually encouraged that you're being challenged that you're growing we hope all of these things are happening. So everyone who truly wants to be successful must have accountability in their lives, and that can never happen unless you're committed to a specific church family for long enough. Now, there's seasons that God places you, plants you, then He relocates you, different things like that, but if you're around a church family for long enough, you're building relationships. You're having people, if you open yourself up to relationships within the church, you have people around you that are encouraging you or strengthening you or challenging you. Maybe they're even rubbing you the wrong way to cultivate change in your life. Because that happens too, okay? So accountability, it really helps your faith uh, mature, and it pushes you forward towards growth, okay? So active participation in your local church provides opportunity to hear, learn, study, and grow in God's Word. Notice I said the word active. Because you can can have passive participation too. Now, if I encourage you to say, hey, go, I'd encourage you to read this chapter this week, or hey, think about this, and, and you say, uh-huh, uh-huh, and then you walk out and throw it behind you and you leave it. You know, that passive participation instead of active participation. You know, what I've learned, guys, you only get out of the Word what you put into the Word. It can sit on the shelf and you can have ten Bibles, but unless you crack the cover, it does you no good. I got Bibles all over my house, and some of them do collect dust. There's a few that I, there's a few that I always get into, but I think about that. I was like, man, I, why do I have so many if I'm not reading them? But I like having one in each room, so there's no excuse. I'll say, where's my Bible? Oh, there's another one. You know, grab one or whatever, right? So we got to crack the book to benefit from it. That active participation, right? So when we're part of a church community, we have the opportunity to share our gifts with others. Maybe it's teaching, hospitality, administration. Maybe it's intercession. Whatever yours may be, it gives you an opportunity to to receive and contribute from those giftings that God has deposited within us. So being part of a church allows you to step into your purpose and add significance. So we have to understand that, you know, these, these are parts of the corporate body. These are parts of the big picture. So we have to understand that our purpose to exist cannot happen in a vacuum. Your gifts are designed to be used to serve and to meet the needs of others in the body of Christ. Now, there's things, there's gifts, you know, I think as a musician, you can play your guitar at home, you can sing at home, but, man, if there's just something that happens when you use that gift in a corporate team setting within the local church. 
There's been moments that I've led worship in the past where I know my ability and my gifting has stopped and the anointing of God takes over. Because God puts that special seasoning in the mix in the local body. He causes it just to be a little bit sweeter. He causes it to be just a little bit better. Um, one, one of the things that I, I believe happens when we gather together and we each bring our part is that if we look at the makeup of everyone here, like look to your left, look to your right, see who's around you. Did you know we can never recreate this moment because of the people present, the songs we sang, the, you know, the, 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 how we are in our emotional, physical, spiritual state? Like we can never recreate this. Like we could try next Sunday to carbon copy the exact same thing and we would miss the mark. So every moment is a special moment. Every time is exciting because it can never be redone. So we just thrive in those moments. But we always personally receive from the local church. It's always, it's always a blessing to us. So you're only, you're only as successful to the, degree, to the degree that you are connected with the people in your church community. So what this means, guys, is we need each other. We can't do it by ourselves. We cannot. So being part of a community, a church community, is biblical. It helps you with adjusting to that cultural perspective. It's practical in helping you be all that God wants you to be. And, it person, and personally, it, it meets your needs to help you be all that you can be in your life. So that summarizes all of those guys. You know, it, talk, it talks about all of, the, all of the facets of what God wants us to do, the biblical side, the cultural side, the practical side, and the personal side. The church meets all of those. So how to be part of the club, how to be a part of the church. We're going to look just for a moment of how our church specifically applies those things. Um, so here at Harvest Time, we encourage church membership and, and a true community commitment, okay? So we do go through a membership, and we require four things. Now, a lot of you guys, I th- let me look, most of you in this room have went through the new membership class. Maybe some of you have not. But when we, when we go through it, we require four things. I'm, I'm going to share those things with you real quick, and then we're going to break them down really quick also. So the first thing is we protect the unity of the church. We share the responsibility of the church. We serve the ministry of the church, and we support the testimony of the church. Those are four things on our membership covenant that, that we, at the end of our membership class, we pass out, we give them to individuals, we ask them to sign them, we ask them to commit to those, and then that's how you become a member of the church. It's a class that follows the service. We provide lunch. We, and we, make it, we make it easy. And we try to knock it all out in one day as fast as we can. It's like a car wash method. We try to get it all. Is you good? You good? And then we encourage you to pray about it. But if you're committing to our church, know that we're committing to you. But anytime there's a commitment, guys, there's an expectation from you, and there should be an expectation for you from us. I mean, I hope you expect me to be prepared and be ready and really feed you the full meat of the word and not just like, well, you know... Just come in and no expect. No, there's, there, there really is an expectation both ways. Okay, so let's look at these real quick. So when I talk about protecting the unity of my church, what are we talking about as a church there? We are talking about acting in love towards other members. Love should be something that is seen. You know, it says you will be known by your love for one another. So that should be a huge margin. One, another thing we do, we refuse to gossip. Another soapbox moment. Don't let me hear you gossip. You will see my mean side come out. I do not like gossip. Even if you're acting like you're gossiping. 
Don't do it. I walk up, y'all quit talking. I was like, oh, he better straighten up. God hears you. He can hear what you're saying. Also, and then, you know, protecting the unity of the church, following the leaders, the leadership, trusting the leadership, supporting the leadership, being, you know, you know when the worship team's singing and leading a song, man, we are following them, letting them pave the way. You know, when I'm preaching a good sermon, get a few amens, get a few, yeah, whatever, something. There you go, get something in there. <laughs> Just supportive of, man, we feel like we're going in the right direction. We're, you know, last week I told our team, I said, I felt like there was such an excitement in the room. As, thing, as people begin to come back and seats begin to fill up and, you know, maybe it was your first time back last week or you're just your, your first time here this week, but we begin to see an excitement happen, right? So it's just, just exciting when all of the, we see all of those things, so... Protect the unity of the church. So share the responsibility of my church. So what does that mean? That means praying for its growth. I hope you just don't hope it'll grow and it'll thrive, but I hope you guys are praying too. It's more, you know, you know that you guys are, you know, really supporting, taking your responsibility. Also, inviting the unchurched to attend. Do you ever do that? I can't do that all myself, but are you inviting people that you know that you would really like to come to church? Are you inviting them to church? Maybe you've, maybe you've been wanting to and you haven't. Maybe that's, this is just what you needed this morning to encourage you. Say, hey, I just need to invite them. So we are working through getting some invite cards and doing different things like that. This whole year has been a whirlwind, kind of knocked all our plans a little, a little made them a little indifferent, but, just, but helping you guys be able to do that. So inviting the unchurched to attend, warmly welcoming those who visit, okay? So that's just not me as a pastor, you know, if I come and say, hey, man, how's it doing? We're so glad to, that, that you're here. Hey, let me, let me get you the best seat in the house. And let's say you're sitting in the best seat of the house, and you look at me like, you're not sitting in my seat. Come on, man, get up and make some room. <laughs> right, you know, everyone needs to help in that. You know, you see somebody walking around, and it's, it's easy. Like if we miss it at the front entry point between our greeters and our hostess, and you have somebody walk in and they go like this, that's your sign to say, hey, they're new. They either don't know where to sit or they've never been here before. Go up to them, shake their hand, smile. Hey, is this your first time here? Hey, give, you know, maybe don't say it's their first time here. They may have been here three weeks and they just look confused. If you don't know who they are, say, hey, my name is. And then, hey, can I help you with something? Because that doesn't put you in an awkward position. Us as leadership, we've worked through a whole list of what not to say to, to people. Hey, is this your first time here? Actually, I've been here a month and a half. Ooh, okay. Sorry. Next, next question. You know, it just puts you in that awkward spot because you're like, yeah, I've been here every week. I even give tithes and offerings. Oh, my Lord. You know, like, it's like, I'm so sorry. Who are you again? You know, it, you know just we don't want to get put in that awkward spot. But I think our heart is, as a church, to share in that responsibility, warmly welcoming uh, those who visit. All right, to serve the ministry of my church. So what does this mean? That means discovering your gifts, your talents, being equipped to serve by the pastors, the leadership, you know, and then also uh, developing a servant's heart. Um, I think those are things that are cultivated sometimes, but I believe that those people who truly have, a, have had a transformation experience uh, by the power of God will just desire to serve in some capacity. Now, we do want you to, you know, uh, using your gifts and talents. If, if, you're in, if you're in this church and you have a gift and you know it and you're not doing anything with it, shame on you. That's really not best for the church, and that's not what God wants. So one thing we are striving to do, and it's been super exciting, the worship department, the tech arts department has been expanding drastically. 
There's so much work and so much uh, excitement, but it has just getting, it's really huge. I know our last meeting was a lot of people, but we've added a lot more people in that. You know, so, so we are continually growing, expanding. We're trying to offer God our best, and we need people to help with that. We need you using your gifts. We need you using your talents. Um, you know, we need you guys serving. Okay, and then that last one, to support the testimony of my church. So what does this mean? This means living a godly life. Guys, that is a big one. You know, what, what, how you act outside the four walls of the church, that's kind of what I'm talking about. You know, Man, I ho- and I, I never hear it, like, so it's not like a bad thing. I don't have people say, well, them Harvest Time people. Did you know so-and-so was that so-and-so and was over here this last? I don't really hear any of that, thank God. Can't say and it won't happen, but, you know, just your, 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 your lifestyle. You know, and then we got to understand that we as a church reflect the church. And we as the church of Harvest Time Church reflect the pastor. So when they not get on me and they're saying, well, you, pa- oh, hold on, back up. I'm going to have to take myself back to church, you know, like that I'm having to defend somebody's lifestyle choices. But I believe all of us are in the, in the process of becoming more and more Christ-like, right? I, I remember when I was in youth, when you're, when you're a youth, don't take this the wrong way. You just don't always think the right way. I remember talking to some of our youth that were making horrible decisions. I, was, I even took it personal when I was in the youth group. I said, listen, before you do something stupid, know that it reflects us as a youth group. Well, I didn't think about that. I know you weren't thinking. That's why I'm telling you. But if it affects, if you do it, it's like, because people come would tell me. Well, them, them that was, well, I'm not going to say the church. But th- those so-and-so youth, and I was like, uh-uh. And I would defend them. And then I'd come back, did you do that? Well, yeah. Man, what are you doing? I just offended you because I wouldn't think you would do that. You know, so it really just really killed the testimony of the church. So what I'm saying, guys, is that we have to support the testimony of the church, defend the testimony of the church, and model the testimony of the church. And I'm not saying being over-religious to where it's like, oh, watch out, we're harvest time. No. I'm saying we love God and we're asking God to transform us and that we would be Christ-like, that we'd be full of grace. If we miss it and we mess up and we get angry, we apologize quickly. We humble ourselves before those people and say, man, I'm so sorry. I was having a bad day. You know, God wouldn't want me to do that. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. You know, that we are stri- striving to keep, be, be at peace with every person. I know that's hard sometimes. So living a godly life, attending church faithfully. You know, uh, I think that's, to me, that's a no-brainer. But to some, I mean, like, I, we're just trying to establish a baseline. We expect faithful attendance. Now, I know this whole virus thing has made things where, like, I was telling people, yeah, don't come. This is, like, this is not, this has nothing to do with faithful commitment to the church. You get a freebie pass. But as we go forward, knowing the expectation of our church, our membership, we expect faithful, you know, attendance. All right, this last one. Regularly giving tithes and offerings. And some of you say, oh, man, now pastor's talking about money. Listen, if, if the church is something you value, you have no problem giving to it. Think about, think about that principle. Who plays golf? Anybody in here? We don't got very many golf. You, you play a little bit? Oh, okay. So, what's that? He can't play. He tries to play golf. Okay, so, so I'm just going to take that, which I guess I can take that since it's not going to affect except like one guy. 
in the room. But I know that there's people. So if you value it, you will pay outrageous green fees sometimes because you value it. To go around and hit a little white ball and hopefully you're hitting it straight and you're not running all around the course trying to chase it. But because you value it, you got no problem paying it. Right? So, so understand that, that, that mentality, right? So if we value the church, we have no problem giving to the church. But there's another underlying principle, and I'm not going to teach on tithes and offerings today. But it's more than just that I value it. There's a command that requires it. But there, I'm going to stop there. So look up giving, look at, look at Malachi, look at, you know, there's, there's some different scriptures that will really explain that. I don't want to hash on that. But as a member of our church, we expect regularly tithes and giving regularly. Notice I got two of those. It's tithes and giving. There's a tithe and there's an offering. Okay? It's a whole nother topic. All right? So, so that's what we, as a church, that's our expectation. So we actually, at the end of our membership, we give a covenant membership form, and that is required to be signed. Now, you know, if, if you're married, I want the husband and wife to both be a part of that decision. It was funny. One time we had one gave it back and said, well, what about your wife? Well, I didn't ask her. I was like, be on the same page. Like, you know, that's kind of a big deal to us. <laughs> like, if you want to come and your wife doesn't, make sure you guys are in agreement on that. Like, I decided. I didn't ask my wife. Though. I was like, well... Y'all talk about that and take this form back and let us know what you want to do. Because we want, we want to make sure that you are where God wants you and that you are planted in the local church because it is essential. Okay, So to reap the full benefits of the church, you have to be part of the body of Christ. You have to be connected and you have to be present. Okay, There's something very special that happens when the body of Christ comes together in unity and, and, it, and, it, and, is, and is determined to meet with the Lord. Psalms 133, it actually says that God commands blessing. Commands a blessing when we gather together. Okay? So if you don't, so if you think that you don't have to come come to church, you really should. Let me just blanket that and say that. If you don't think it's a big deal, church is a big deal. It's beneficial to your life. And I'm not saying that just because I'm a pastor. I always supported the local church way before I was a pastor. And I thank God that I did that because then it would be hypocritical. Be like, well, that pastor never came to church. Now he's here every Sunday because he has to be. That was never that was never part of the picture. We were always committed to the local church. Okay? So is the church optional? What's the answer? No. Any yeses? I'll keep preaching. Okay, we're good. All right. All right, so let me close with this. Well, a parachute is optional in that you, would never need, you wouldn't need to wear it all the time or every day. But if you were jumping out of an airplane, it would be in your best interest to wear it that day. So for your survival in this life, it's also in your best interest to go to church and stay committed to the family of God. Just like that parachute would be critical if you were jumping out of a plane. Thank you for joining us for the Harvest Time Church podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like more information about our family, please write us at 42 FM 2540 South, Bay City, Texas 77414. Or check us out on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.